Oh, that's exactly what I need. A little danger zone on my Thursday morning. That totally helps. I was just remarking to producer Jay that I am totally delirious. (laughs) I don't know what happened this week. It's just been a week that hit me smack upside the head. I might be in concussion protocol from this week. (laughs) And so not to joke about concussions. I've had a couple and they're, they're not a joke. Um, And just in general, I don't need any knock on the head to be a total dodo. (laughs) My friends tell me I'm a lot a lot funnier when I'm tired. I don't know what that means. Ouch. But regardless, uh, yes, it's been one of those weeks where there's not been a whole lot of time to breathe and work and life just keeps it coming. But the weekend is almost here. Are we allowed to say that? It's Thursday morning. Can we say the weekend is almost here? We're getting there. We're getting there. All right. We're making progress. Yes. We're approaching. We're we're encroaching on the weekend. We're encroaching. Encroaching is illegal, you know. Illegally, we're doing it. We're offsides when it comes. We we uh, got the early jump on the weekend. We timed the snap. We're timing the. (laughs) We mistimed the snap. Actually, (laughs) (laughs) week nine kicks off in the NFL tonight, and it will coincide with Game Five of the World Series. And boy, does the Whole landscape of the small, the small classic. Oh my gosh. See what I mean? Don't ever bring that back. Take that out of the podcast. Jay wasn't listening. So he has no idea what I just said. Oh, I do. (laughs) Or maybe he's just ignoring me to try, try not to hurt my feelings, make fun of me because I just said the small classic. I mean, I suppose I've said worse. There goes the perfect show. Not that large. (laughs) Stop it. Sadly for sadly for Rob Manford, that's probably the truth. That is, this couldn't have it just couldn't have broken any worse for Major League Baseball the way it all panned out. But maybe a piece of history helps. We are live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. I kind of wish we weren't. Do you need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. Can I distract you with my dog rolling in the leaves? <laughs> Regardless of anything witty, it's probably impossible for me to say something witty and clever right now. Uh, But if you would like a smile on this Thursday morning, well, you all should check out Penny, who loves leaves. In fact, she is the color of a pile of dead leaves. My dog, it's the 30 seconds of her day that makes her feel like a puppy again. Yes, she loves food. Yes, she loves treats. Yes, she follows mama around. Yes, she loves her walks every day. But the most glorious 30 seconds of her entire day, unless it's pouring down rain, when we come home from our nap, our nap, after she takes a nap, we come home from our walk in the afternoon. See, I can't even tell a story right now. Uh, She stops, drops, and rolls in the front yard like she's doing a fire drill, you guys. So I caught her mid-roll yesterday, and it is the funniest picture. I mean, she looks a little scary, actually. She's got this giant grin on her face because she's so happy, but all you see is a mouthful of teeth. <laughs> like local kiddos walking by, they might be afraid of her. With that picture, yeah, maybe a little. But she's so happy, though. That's the thing. You don't understand. She gets up, and she looks at me like she's in heaven. It's a snarl of joy. <laughs> Okay. You have a bulldog. They always look mean. 
yeah. <laughs> so check out Penny because I'm telling you, she's enjoying the heck out of the autumn afternoon. That's on Twitter, A-Law Radio, on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. So yes, it got dark soon after that. Baseball began and the Astros were in desperate need of a win. I don't know how comfortable they are being up 5 nothing, but I suppose you take the runs where you can get them after uh, a game three in which they managed to cross the plate exactly no times. First pitch. Inside, and that hit him, and that's a run. Jordan Alvarez got hit, gets ready to take his base. McCormick scores, and the Astros lead one to nothing the hard way. Another 0-2. And Bregman lines this one over to right field, racing over Cassianos. He won't get there. That's going to go to the wall. Altuve scores. Right behind him, Pena. He will score. Down the third goes Alvarez. Bregman drives in two with an opposite field double. Three to nothing, Astros. The 0-1. And Tucker lifts this one in the center field. Marsh to his left. He's there, makes the catch. Both runners tagging as Alvarez scores. Bregman will get to third. Alvarado's 1-2. And that's a ground ball through the draw to an infield and in the left, a base hit. Bregman can walk home. Yuli Gurriel with an RBI single. 5-0 Astros. We have a uh, good ability to turn the page. Um, you can't you can't dwell on things, especially in the postseason. You got to move on to the next day, the next pitch, because that's the most important pitch in the postseason. And um, I think our guys did a really good job of showing up ready to compete today. Um, and I was definitely uh, very proud of them. Alex Bregman delivers the big blow, and this was on him. I'm glad it. He was the one who came up with that huge hit, the two-run double that really powered the Houston fifth inning. Five runs on five hits, yes. They were able to scrape together a couple of other runs. They had a hit-by-pitch. They had a sacrifice fly. But Bregman sets the tone for this team. Bregman is the guy who's got 19 World Series RBI. Bregman's the guy with worlds of experience and the guy who has a ring Regardless of how they got it, the ring is still the thing. And so other Astros look to him. Not to mention he's the heart, the soul. He's the antagonist. He is the instigator. He's the the one who's loud and obnoxious. And those are all good things. I mean, the team looks to him a little bit like Draymond Green, who's the emotional leader for the Golden State Warriors. So for him to be the one who roped a double into the right field corner was a huge deal. So, yes, they get the five runs, which is exactly where they were in the opener, only to see the Phillies rally back. But that was not going to be the case. Not while Christian Javier was on the mound. Two balls and two strikes to Castellanos. And got him upstairs. Strike three. Javier strikes out the side on cheese. And Javier strolls back to the dugout. The one-two. At the knees for strike three. Bryson Stott gets rung up. That is nine strikeouts for Christian Javier, and he has struck out the last five in a row. Pitch on the way. And he pokes it and pops it up. First base side foul territory. Gurriel lopes over, makes the one-handed grab, and Christian Javier continues to dominate. Hasn't allowed a hit through five. 3-2. Ground ball left side, right at Pena. Shortstop up with it, throws across in time, and Christian Javier absolutely masterful. Six no-hit innings has struck out nine. Robert Ford and Steve Sparks on Astros Radio. Yes, talk about masterful. 97 pitches for Javier. Over six hitless innings. He allowed just two base runners via the walk and struck out nine. And he would set the tone, similar to Bregman, setting the tone for the hitters and for that dugout. Javier 
raised the bar so high that his relievers had no choice but to follow suit. Two and two. Got him! Strike three. Slider low and away. Abreu pounds his chest twice and stomps back to the dugout. Here's the 3-2. Swing and a miss! Got him on a high fastball. And that is four consecutive strikeouts for Astros pitchers. 2-2. Swing and a miss at a pitch in the dirt. Picked out by Vasquez. Tags Marsh on the backside and there is one out in the bottom of the ninth. 2-1 to Hoskins. Popped up, shallow right, going out Guriel, coming in Tucker. Tucker over toward the line, and he makes the one-handed grab waist high. Pitch on the way. Ground ball, left side, coming in Bregman. He scoops the short hop, throws on the move to first, in time, and that is a ball game. A World Series no-hitter for the Houston Astros as they blank the Philadelphia Phillies 5 to nothing. This World Series is all square at two games apiece. And the Astros make history in the city of brotherly love in magical fashion with a no-hitter between four pitchers. It's awesome, you know, but you're not really trying to think about it when you're in the game. Um, you just want to string a zero together and, and just get the win. But, you know, to throw a no-hitter on top of it, it's definitely a cherry on top. But, you know, we just wanted to get a win, and, and you know, that's really what was on my mind. That's Ryan Presley, who records the final out of the first combined no-hitter in World Series history, only the second no-hitter in the World Series ever, and only the third no-hitter we've ever seen on the playoff stage. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. I thought it was a neat moment. I love being a witness to history. We had a debate earlier on the show with Marco Belletti about whether or not it was as exciting or compelling or the same Certainly not the same as Don Larson throwing a perfect game. But there was no way Dusty Baker was going to leave Christian Javier out there to pursue a no-hitter at potentially the cost of the game itself. So this may be sacrilegious. I know baseball is all about its history, all about its epic moments, and this qualifies as both. But far more importantly than how the Astros got the win is the fact that the series now ultimately will get back to Minute Maid Park. That's what we were coming here trying to, you know, take it back home. I mean, you want to win them all, but, you know, we realize how tough these guys, you know, have been in this ballpark. And uh, uh, reality, um, you know, when you go on the road, if you can win two out of three, then you've, you've had a pretty good series. We were no hit earlier in the year in, in New York and some Mets. <laughs> We came back the next day and won. So these guys, they got a short memory. And they're going to go home tonight and gonna go to bed and come back in here tomorrow and prep and compete like they always do. I think it's funny that Rob Thompson mentioned, oh, well, it happened before. No biggie. <laughs> it's just something that we're used to by now. <laughs> no, these Phillies definitely are resilient, and so are the Astros. And that's really the point, right, is you don't get to the World Series if you don't have the ability to bounce back. It's the same thing that Alex Bregman said about Game 4 when he was interviewed on MLB Network, is that we generally do not lose two games in a row. We understand what it means to come back. And they went into their preparation for Game Number 4 with exactly that mentality. Every single person in that clubhouse went home not very pleased yesterday. And... Um, 
we wanted to come back and get back to just working hard and, and, and doing what uh, we've done all year, um, which is competing. And uh, I think the biggest thing is, is preparation, zero complacency, um, and, and continuing to continuing to battle and fight. And, and one of the ways of doing that is, is sticking to your routine, sticking to what you do, and, and that's putting in the work before the game uh, because no, nothing comes without putting in the work in, uh, first. Once again, Alex Bregman and then Ryan Presley also on MLB Network. Kind of cool that Christian Vasquez was behind the plate. And I know often we focus so much on the pitchers that we forget about the catcher. Uh, but this is a big deal for a catcher to be part of something so special. And I always love the reaction of catchers, too, when they get to be part of this iconic moment. We have not finished the job here. Uh, I think it's a special moment, obviously. It's a no-hitter. You know, it's two catchers in history to to make uh call uh, no hitters so yeah it's very special they were facing a great lineup uh, uh with a lot of power you know in this ballpark where we see it yesterday and and it was fun to to get back and get a w to nine and, and it was awesome awesome game christian vasquez called a you know a great game for him and uh i think that's the first time i've seen Two guys with the same first name as a battery. So maybe maybe that was part of it. Maybe, Dusty Baker. Maybe. <laughs> so the numbers look like this. Four relievers, Javier, Abreu. I shouldn't say relievers. Four pitchers, Javier, Abreu, Montero, Presley. Nine complete innings in Philadelphia. Three walks, no hits, no runs. 14 strikeouts. Completely the opposite of what we had seen from the Phillies going back to games one and then obviously game three when they were bombs away. Everybody in the pool, you get a home run and you get a home run and you get a home run. They are capable, more than capable of putting runs on the board in bunches. And so... Aaron Nola feeling like this is all on him. That's not accurate. It's no more accurate than the Astros, for instance, and um, what happened to them in game number three, feeling like it was all on the pitchers. No, there's got to be some offense. And the second the Astros got the offense in this game, it took pressure off their pitching staff. So it all works together here. But certainly Aaron Nola starting for the second time in the World Series, feeling like he's not doing what he wants to do. Obviously not the way uh, I wanted to go. Um, limited the damage those four innings and uh, put up those zeros. But you know, fifth inning got kind of out of hand for me, and uh, you know left Alvarado in a bad spot coming in with bases loaded with no outs. So he allows the three runs ultimately on seven hits, four innings pitched, and now it's up to well, game five is critical, pivotal, all important. Uh, it's up to Noah Syndergaard in game number five to try to give the Phillies the edge and take advantage of being there at Citizens Bank Park for the last time. They won't be back. So that will be their last game in Philadelphia in front of their fans. Obviously not what the fans wanted. You could hear the booing in the background. And I don't see. Here's the thing. If I'm a Phillies fan, obviously I I want to see a World Series win. And now with the series tied, You've lost your leverage, your momentum from game number three. But maybe somewhere down the road, especially if the Phillies end up winning the World Series, would these fans say, I was there? Be proud to say I was there when the second 
no hitter in World Series history was thrown or no? Nah? Uh, nah? I wouldn't think so. I think you would just kind of forget about that game in total and just. Really? Yeah. You're just going to forget. Never tell anyone that you actually saw a World Series no hitter. I mean, I wouldn't. I guess you could mention it and say, yeah, I was at that one too, but I wouldn't say, oh, that's the turning point. I would just try to bear. I wouldn't even think about it anymore. If they win this game, game five, I'm not even focused on game four anymore. It's over if I'm a Philly But fan. you were there. It's history. It has yeah, it's cool. most of the people in that ballpark didn't ever see the Don Larson. I mean, obviously none of us here working saw the Don Larson perfect game. I mean, we've gone decades and decades without seeing a World Series no hitter. It's not your team, though, and it probably was a night where they would want to forget it. You know, it wasn't exactly a fun night at the ballpark, I wouldn't say. And maybe that's from my years of being more and more removed from fandom. It's not that I don't love sports or get excited about them, but I just don't see them the same way anymore. Now I look for storylines and angles and topics. And so I would say being in the ballpark for a World Series no-hitter was damn cool. Yeah, But I'm is. obviously not a Phillies fan, so. I mean, I was in uh, just in the New York Mets. They, gave, they were no-hit twice in the same season about... I don't know, roughly five, six, something like that years ago. I was actually at both of them in the same season, and I don't think about those. I know it wasn't the playoffs. No, you've but... never mentioned that. Right. So I, <laughs> I, it was really cool to see two no-hitters, but, you know, I, I had those suppressed somewhere. All right, so Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber understandably subdued. He just ran some good pitching. I mean, it, it happens. Um, it's part of the game, and, you know, good pitching beats, you know, good hitting any day of the week. So, um you know, gotta flush that, like I said, you know, as quick as possible and get ready for tomorrow. I really don't give a Oh. <laughs> no, move on to tomorrow. It's cool. We'll be in the history books, I guess. <laughs> you guess? Yeah, I guess that you will. So I have to give you a little peek behind the curtain. Producer Jay gives me a list of the audio that we have available after the night in sports. And then I go through it and sometimes I edit, sometimes I make notes in my paper. But he does a good job at giving me a bit of a lead-in if I want it for the cut. <laughs> this is what he wrote next to Kyle Schwarber. Wait, can we, can we hear it again? Let's hear it again really quick. I really don't give a Oh, okay. <laughs> no, move on tomorrow. It's cool. We'll be in the history books, I guess. Yes, you definitely will. <laughs> Jay wrote as the setup to this cut, a little passive-aggressive on being no <laughs> <laughs> Move on tomorrow. <laughs> now, sometimes, yeah, but the the part that was passive-aggressive was the F-bomb. I really don't give a Right. Clearly. You know what? If you have to tell people you don't give a bleep, you obviously do. I mean, that's that's the ir- irony about that. Is That's why I never write back to people on social and say, I don't care what you think. Because if I write back point. to you, it means I care enough to write back to you. <laughs> so he's like, I really don't give a bleep. So that's where... Jay came up with passive aggressive Kyle Schwarber. I nope. thought I thought you would put in something like sketchy or extra. Or <laughs> <laughs> he was a little extra on being no hit. A little bit. <laughs> All right. So as I say, most importantly, and I do think the no hitter is cool. Oh, by the way, side note: no paper tickets issued last night. So there are no ticket stubs. You know how people get all excited about having ticket yeah. stubs? No ticket stubs to sell. No dated ticket anything. They were all electronic tickets. See, that's sad to me. I don't like that. You're the one that just said it was no big deal. What? To be in a ballpark, if you were the Phillies fans, you would just forget it. So No, just the whole idea that everything's electronic. I, I used to love collecting ticket stubs and finding them and 
that's your keepsake. I don't know. I'm, a t- I'm I hate the all electronic tickets. It really bothers me. The scanners never work. Just give me the damn ticket stub. <laughs> okay, people lose ticket stubs, but and and I they're mean, that's they're you. easily faked and traded and all that jazz. That's the issue. However, you're the one who just said if you're a Phillies fan, you would want to forget all about it. So what do you care? Oh, I'm I'm talking about any game. I'm not talking about gotcha. this game in general. Just the fact that there's no more ticket stubs at all. This one is the first one I've ever heard of any stadium doing that for any game, and I don't like it. Really? Hate it actually. I feel like we had electronic tickets when we went to the game we this did. year. We did. I usually, I don't. I haven't had a real ticket stub in I can't even remember how years now. But I just always used to like getting that t- ticket stub and having that stub. Yeah, I do have a saved stack in a box somewhere yeah. of ticket stubs from big time games. All right, Phillies Astros all tied up game five tonight at the same time that the Eagles and the Texans are playing in Houston. <laughs> From the category of you can't freaking make this stuff up. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Hurry back to throw. And it is. Is it tossed? Oh my goodness, it's tossed. DeAndre Hopkins caught it. Back from under center. Steps back. Throws the fade. Cooper Cup's got it. Touchdown LA. Burrow back to throw. Looking, firing deep for Chase in the end zone. He's got it. Mahomes fires for the end zone, caught, touchdown, Kansas City. And off to Heckler again, no, Herbert keeps it, end zone, touchdown, Chargers. Herbert with his second of the day. Here's the snap, Josh going to keep it himself and run it again inside the five, into the end zone, touchdown, Buffalo. Josh Allen, nine-yard touchdown run. The Bills respond and then some. It's time for QB News on After Hours. Week 9 of the NFL season is upon us. If you missed the NFC version of QB News, and sometimes we cross over, but if you missed the NFC version of QB News, last hour you could always grab the podcast. After hours, amylawrence.com. Let's dive right in a lot to get to, specifically around the trade deadline. The Kansas City Chiefs add another receiver weapon to their roster. And we already know that Andy Reid said there's one ball and a lot of guys that we want to work into it. Well, Kadarius Tony is healthy, and Patrick Mahomes is anticipating another addition. First off, he's super excited. You can tell how much he's, he's ready to get out there and play. Um, I mean, physically, everybody sees how much physical gifts he has. I mean, uh, he's fast. He's bigger than I thought. And, um, I mean, he's, he's done a good job of whenever he catches the ball and being able to make people miss in space. So uh, uh, we're just excited to get him kind of into this culture, into this team, and uh, see what he can do in this offense. Right now, I don't really have any expectations. I just uh, want to come in and do what's asked of me, you know, um, whatever plays, whatever, um, I guess, Assignments I got to do. Like I'm just gonna do it in my hardest. Very eager to go out there and ready to uh, be the player I am. Kansas City, Tennessee. That's a huge battle on Sunday Night Football. Let's see whether it's up against Game 7 of the World Series. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Poor baseball. All right, really quickly, this is not necessarily a QB news, although Robert uh, Robert Quinn, he got traded by the Bears. Now Roquan Smith, also traded by the Bears, will be pursuing quarterbacks and making a lot of tackles as a member of the Ravens now. Life happens at times, and, you know, 
got traded. So initially I was shocked, but, you know, I'm excited to be here. Good group of guys, guys that's contending for a title, and that's what I'm in the game to play for, playing for a title. So I'm excited. I have a great deal of respect uh, for this organization, the uh, way they handle things. So I'm excited, and I know they're trying to uh, get over the hump and win, win the big game. And so I feel like I can be one of the guys that can help with that. So I'm excited to be able to give everything I got to make that happen. Baltimore first place Baltimore at New Orleans on Monday night. But let's get back to the games that take place on Sunday or not. (laughs) I forgot we stacked this, so we actually are talking about the Steelers next. So we're going through the trades now and their impact. Mike Tomlin trading away Chase Claypool to the Chicago Bears. With the Chase deal, um, it was about draft capital and value for us. Um, Chicago Bears second round pick um, is a pick that we value and excited about what that brings us. But it's more than just being excited about capital. You know, you we got some games left to play and we feel really comfortable with the depth that we have at, at, at Chase's position, the wide receiver position. And more spe- specifically, we're really comfortable with our, our playmaking ability inside. And um, he's made the majority of his plays to this point in the season inside and not only at the wideout position, but that's a space that we're really comfortable with, with Pat Fryermuth as well, being a significant component of, of our attack on the interior portions of the field. I'm a playmaker and I'm, and I'm excited to make plays. I feel like I didn't have, uh, you know, the full opportunity to show what I can do um, this year, but I think I've been able to show that in the past. And uh, I'm excited to be able to gain that trust with Justin too, where he knows if he needs a play, he can come to me. Everybody's excited. Patrick Mahomes is excited. Kadarius Tony's excited. Roquan Smith is excited. Mike Tomlin's excited. Now Chase Claypool's excited. <laughs> this is a lot of excitement for week nine and these moves in the NFL. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Bears, they give a little and they take a little. They've got the Miami Dolphins on their week nine schedule. And you know what? Don't tell Tua not to touch the money. The Dolphins aren't afraid to talk about their big plans and getting to the Super Bowl in Arizona. Throughout OTAs and throughout training camp, um, we could see the potential that we had um, as a team, offensively and defensively. And, you know, we're, we're not afraid to talk about Super Bowls here. Um, we're not afraid to talk about, you know, going to a playoff game, um, having the opportunity to, to go to one and then, you know, hopefully winning one. It's a long way to go. I do not uh, respond when people ask me about my Super Bowl predictions in early October or really early January either. Uh, But I do like what the Miami Dolphins have done. It it reminds me a little bit of what the Rams did last year, going all in. They've got their quarterback healthy. They had already brought in some major weapons to put around him. They added both offense and defense in this trade deadline period. And now they put together back-to-back wins and go on the road at Chicago for week number nine. I was like, hey, I'll see you later. Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, one of the teams that did not make any moves at the deadline, and he doesn't feel the need to explain himself to me. And we're done. Trade deadline's over, so moving on. Colts. Were you close? Um, Nothing happened, so we're moving on. I don't even know what close means. (laughs) What does that mean? Hard negotiations. Was it a matter of like a round with a draft pick or a player? Extended negotiations. I've had conversations that have gone on for months and nothing happened. I've had conversations that have gone on for six to ten minutes and the trade gets done. I don't know what that means. 
I don't know what close means. We don't have time for that. <laughs> Did he really say I don't know what close means? I don't know what that means. Close? I don't know what that means. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> he has gotten even more cantankerous this year. What do I look like? I'm a football coach. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're on a need-to-know basis, and Bill Belichick always believes that none of us need to know anything. I really can't control that. And then he pretends like he's really happy that he could help out. Wasn't that last week? I'm so happy I could help. When he, when he was asked about the Mac Jones versus Bailey Zappi, I'm just here to help out. Just doing what I can to help out. Appreciate it. No <laughs> yeah, problem. Appreciate it. <laughs> it's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio with Bill Belichick. Never a dull moment. So the Patriots take on the Colts this weekend. The Colts have made a drastic move in firing offensive coordinator Marcus Brady. Very, very difficult decision. Very close with Marcus. Have a lot of respect for him. A really good man, a really good coach. The whole staff, the whole building. Um, you know, ultimately, as a head coach, you have to make decisions that you think are best for the team. And, um, you know, it's both things can be true. Uh, Marcus is a really good coach, a really good person, really good teammate. And sometimes it's just right for a change and there's something that makes sense for the team. And I know that Marcus is going to have a lot of success. It's a lot of tough decisions for Frank Reich as the head coach of the Colts in the last few weeks. Benching Matt Ryan, starting Sam Ellinger, now firing his offensive coordinator. It's been a disaster. And the offensive line, a major reason why. What does Bell Belichick normally have in store for baby quarterbacks? Oh, dear. It could go from bad to worse this week. He lights up when it comes to game planning for inexperienced quarterbacks. Sam, welcome to the NFL, my friend. It'll be interesting to watch. The The Patriots definitely are trying to string a couple wins together here so they can get back into that race in the AFC East. It's one of the strongest divisions in football. All right, moving forward, staying in that same AFC East, Josh Allen is thrilled to add Naeem Hines to the offense. He's out there. He, he got one play, mean stuff, looked at each other. I was like, holy crap, this guy's fast, you know, so... I know he's been playing the league for, we came in the same year together. Um, we actually had the rookie premiere together, so I got to spend some time with him there. I know him a little bit. Uh, he's a seems like a great dude. Uh, everything I've heard about him, he's awesome. He's smart. He's already learning some of the plays. Um, and our, our system's not not easy to learn. Um, so he's there's still a lot of work to be had there. Um, but in terms of what he can give this offense, it's, it's, it's fun, to, fun to have a piece like that. I can go from hating him to loving him. Because, <laughs> you know, there's been times where, you know, we're up, we were up, you know, a couple times in the playoffs and he makes a play and you're like, God, I hate that guy, but he's so good. <laughs> so now I can say, God, I love that guy and he's so good. Oh, yeah. Naeem Hines, an about face. Uh, not so for Robert Sala. He may not voice the fact that, God, I hate that guy, but he knows Josh Allen is just getting started. Josh, he's been... You know, he always had the wheels. He always had that. It was just a matter of just getting comfortable. And I know he put a lot of work into his arm in terms of trying to work with different people from an accuracy standpoint. And he's, he's done a great job. He's put the work in. Oh, yeah. It can snowball. The Jets hosting the Buffalo Bills at MetLife Stadium coming up on Sunday. Oh, Trevor Lawrence, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're in desperate need of a win. And so are the Raiders, actually. So... It's like the toilet bowl coming up in Jacksonville. Uh, that's mean. I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry. Uh, but Trevor Lawrence definitely has to set the tone for the Jaguars. 
the ups and downs of the criticisms of when you have great games and you have bad games. And for me, it's that doesn't change anything. I, you know, I only care about really the opinions of you know my coaches, my teammates, and obviously myself and how I view my performance. And um, yeah, there's there's a lot of areas I can improve on. And I know moving forward for us to win. A lot of these games down the stretch, I'm have to play better, and um, I fully accept all that, take ownership of it, and I'm ready just to, to move forward and, and do that. I know they all care about wins, and the Jaguars have dropped five straight. The Raiders, they've only lost the last game, but it was a shutout, an actual shutout at the hands of the New Orleans Saints. So they're trying something different this week. Derek Carr says they're practicing on the road in Florida. He's hoping that brings them together and makes them focus. All right. We're riding buses, you know, back and forth. We're riding little trolleys, you know, to get to practice. You know, nice. everyone is, we're all together and we're all talking. We're all positive. And um, I, I've been a part of a couple of these and I've always felt like for the team, it's a good thing. You know, as long as everyone's mindset is like trying to get better, like not, oh man, I wish I was home, you know, like that kind of thing. And that hasn't been the case. So I think it's always been a good thing for a team, uh, you know, to, to get better as a football team and to be closer to one another. Let's hope it works because they need something. A little something-something sitting in the basement of the AFC West. Just a taste of week nine through the eyes and the expressions, the voices of the quarterbacks and others. But we start with the Eagles and the Texans. Come on, how is that even possible that the Eagles and Texans are playing on the same night that the Phillies and Astros are in Game 5 of the World Series? The NFL did not know. And no, it's not rigged. Mom, it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. A.J. Brown goes wide to the far side. Quest Watkins in the slot. Devontae Smith wide to the near side. Now, Hertz goes into the gun. Hertz takes the snap. He's back. He lets it fly. He is going deep. And it is caught for a touchdown, A.J. Brown! This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. The Eagles are still undefeated. And this week have the challenge of playing on a short work week, Thursday night football, with the Houston Texans. Seriously, how does this happen? Just someone out there. I don't believe in sports gods. I believe in a God. I don't believe in sports gods. How in the world did it happen (laughs) that the Astros and the Phillies are in game five of the World Series or in the World Series? It doesn't even have to be game five. They're in the World Series on the same night that their football teams are playing in the opposite city. Come on. Am I the only one that thinks that this is like a one in a bazillion chance? I mean, especially because when's the last time the Eagles even played the Texans? Different conferences, different. I mean, it's just the fact that it worked out here. It's hysterical. I, I mean, I think it's really cool. It's unfortunate, obviously, that they have uh, the the rain delay, and it turns out to be a game that's on the same night. Um, though these days with DVRs and multiple screens and ways that you can stream games, it shouldn't be an issue. It's just that you have a hard time focusing on one versus the other. Uh, But yeah, this year, the Eagles are playing the AFC South. So they played Jacksonville earlier in the year. Uh, They've got Houston now. They've got Indianapolis and Tennessee coming up. Jalen Hurts gets a chance to go home and play in Houston, which is really cool. It's always been a dream of mine to play in NRG Reliant Stadium. You know, I've spent a lot of time in that city. My childhood growing growing up in Houston, 
going to watch the Texans play, being being in the Texans facility. He's just so focused and dialed in on what he has to do and not let, you know, we talk about this all the time too, not letting the outside noise um, get to you, it, whether that's you're 7-0, and you're 0-7, you're going to Houston, you're going to Alaska, whatever it is. I'm so happy for him that he gets a chance to, to play at NRG, or I still call it Reliant Stadium sometimes, but NRG, uh, which is a place that I've seen multiple humongous events like the Super Bowl a few years ago, like the Final Four between Villanova and North Carolina, Syracuse and, shoot, I forgot the fourth team that was there. Uh, was it Notre Dame? Anyway, it, it's a really cool venue, but the fact that it's always been a dream of his, I love. And yes, Jalen Hurts sets the tone for the team. Uh, the performance last week, the Take no prisoners performance against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Just the potential for this offense. Three touchdown passes to A.J. Brown. They never even got into the red zone in the first half. It was all chunk plays. And the length of his touchdown passes or the the passes uh, overall, 34 yards, 39 yards, 27 yards, 29 yards. Um, This team right now has... Figured out a formula. Now, they can beat you a variety of ways. They would like to run the ball, but they don't have to run the ball. They've got guys who will get after the quarterback, who will put pressure on the opposing offensive line. They understand the importance of the short third downs and getting in those situations where you're talking about third down and short and 7 of 12 on third down last week. Uh, so there's just a lot of things to like about this team. And the fact that Nick Sirianni got this team to the playoffs last year in his first season as the head coach, it's a huge deal, right? Because they were able to taste it. They were able to understand what it takes to be a playoff team. He got an early start on building that winning culture in Philadelphia. We're trained to do this. And our guy, we had great guys that know what it takes to, you know, get to the top of the mountain and um, you know, and know what it takes to, to prepare. Of, you know, with our with our leadership guys, uh, that they set the tone for everything. And so this is not new to us. So we we feel like, hey, th- this is a good a good uh, you know advantage for us that we know how to how to handle this and uh, and and know how to go through this because we've been doing it for the entire year. It's always a good feeling when you're setting records at, at a, at a uh, franchise because you know so many people came before you and you've been working your butt off every day and. Some Sometimes your plans work, sometimes they don't. But this year, <laughs> everything's been working. Well, isn't that an understatement? That's Brandon Graham, the uh, defensive end. It would be history for them to start 8-0. So here are the Phillies who are making some kind of history in the World Series and have an opportunity to win uh, World Series if they can grab two more victories, though that series will shift back to Houston. Man, their planes are going to be crossing <laughs> after they get done with their game on Thursday night in Philadelphia. The two teams will get on their respective charters and head back to Houston. Meanwhile, once the game is done in Houston, the Eagles will be flying the other direction. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Share charters. Uh, as for Lovey Smith, it's obviously tough sledding. I don't even know where they are in their rebuild process. It it doesn't feel like they've added a lot of pieces that are part of a you know moving forward building that winning culture. Meaning those building blocks, those cornerstone pieces. Uh, to me, it feels like the Texans are in no man's land. You know, only undefeated football team in football, and you start watching them, you see why. All three phases. Statistics are top of the league. 
uh, offensively, defensively, do a good job protecting the football. Number one, taking the football away. A lot of things that, that lead to wins. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts is just playing outstanding football. Lovey Smith knows they have their work cut out for them, but on the bright side, it's not Derrick Henry. <laughs> Something. That is something. Derrick Henry runs against the Texans, and you can automatically give him 200 yards. <laughs> so at least not Derrick Henry. <laughs> well, there's a good chance that Jalen Hurts and, and their running offense or rushing attack could rack up 200 yards. It's just at least it won't be a Derrick Henry who's running downhill and running over people. It's a better place to begin. It's, it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. I just saw this online, and I have to share this headline with you all as we head toward the top of the hour. Maybe this will make you smile on your Thursday morning. <clears throat> Are you ready for this? I'm going to read it verbatim. From Sydney, Australia. Five African lions broke out of their enclosure at Sydney's Harborside Taronga Zoo on Wednesday, triggering an emergency lockdown. The escape happened while the zoo was hosting a roar and snore overnight stay program. (laughs) I can't even get through without laughing. An overnight stay program for visitors. So they've got people who are literally sleeping overnight in the zoo. I don't know if they're sleeping anymore. On the same night that the Lions escaped. Not just one. Not two. Where's LeBron? Not three. Not four. Not five. Yes, the alarm started blaring. The guests were rushed to safety before the Lions were tracked down. One of them even had to be tranquilized. Wow. And then right in the middle of this story is embedded this headline. I'm not going to open it. It's clickbait. King Cobra Houdini found after six days then escapes again. Wait, I'll click that. Okay, that's, I'm never going to the zoo again. <laughs> <laughs> it's after hours on CBS Sports Radio. Boom!